0: Before we get into today's episode, October is National Pharmacist Month. So for the entire month of October, we will have our merch 20% off, okay? So go to dot springcom and use the promo code PHARMACIST at checkout and you'll get 20% off your order for the entire month. Also... Since we're in October, that means we're creeping up on residency and fellowship season. So if anybody is listening, whether you're a pharmacy student or a pharmacist who's interested in pursuing a residency or a fellowship, please feel free to contact us at tinyurl.com slash services. We conduct CV reviews, mock interviews for both fellowships and residencies, and last but not least, letter of intent reviews. So if you're struggling with your letter of intent, you're struggling with how to prepare for the mock interview that you know is coming up, and if you're having issues really finalizing your CV to make it stand out, please feel free to just sign up at tinyurl.com slash Last but not least, we will also be on Friday, October 20th at Palm Beach Atlantic University College of Pharmacy for the RxPo. Uh, so the career and experiential expo for pharmacy professionals so we will be there from two to five so come check out our booth and the following weekend we will be at usf's residency showcase um at the university of south florida college of pharmacy on october 28th so october 20th we'll be at palm beach atlantic university come check out our booth at the r expo and then october 28th saturday october 28th we will be at usf for the residency showcase and come check out our booth once again so thank you all for the support. Now, let's get into today's episode. So, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Capsule Rx Podcast. Today, I'll be your host, Dr. Joven Lazo, And today, we have a special guest, not because of what she is doing in pharmacy. or I should say, not only because of what she's doing in pharmacy and her great accomplishments within the career, but also all the great things that she's doing with her social media platform, at Pills and Purses, if you don't know. I'm honored to have you on here as a guest, Dr. Natalie Mm Aizhon. How are you doing? Or has you on? Has you on? (laughs) I told you. I told you I was going to butcher as soon as we get on.
1: No, that was a great introduction. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here too. It's my first podcast interview, I guess. Really? Yeah.
0: I'm (laughs) very shocked by that. I am absolutely shocked. I think
1: so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because I've, I don't know. There's so many different people that pop up when it comes to yeah. social media influencers from the pharmacy profession. And I believe you're one of the ones that pop up so much and you have such great content. I just figured you've been on a lot of other podcasts. So I've, seen some people I've, I've interviewed on other yeah. pharmacy podcasts. So I just figured you were. I didn't realize. I, know. I
1: think there's been like asks here and there, but I haven't actually like had time to sit down and do one. So
0: doing. Oh, well, we, well so we're lucky then. Awesome. Thank you so much for blessing us with your presence, for allowing us to be the first ones for you to go ahead and premiere a little bit about your life, your story, and also how you started Pills and Purses. So before we get started into all that, can you just provide a brief introduction to our audience today for those that don't know you?
1: Sure. So my name is Natalie. I am a pharmacist in the Los Angeles area. I was born and raised in SoCal. So the way I actually got into pharmacy, nobody in my family was really in healthcare, but I used to help my grandpa a lot, like going to doctor's offices. And the last stop was always the pharmacy. And, you know, just like everyone else, I thought they just like, like counted pills and put in the bottle and you go home. But one time he actually caught a drug interaction because my grandpa had prescriptions from two different doctors. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that that's actually what they did. And so I looked into it and I had a college and career center in my high school. And they're like, yeah, we can set you up to job shadow a pharmacist. So they set me up with someone at the surgical hospital in my hometown. She was the only pharmacist there. And she basically like stocked all of the ORs and showed us all the medications that the physicians use. And everything was so different than what I imagined from especially the outpatient side so I was really interested in that and then somebody a year ahead of me had applied to an accelerated program at University of the Pacific and so I did that too and then I went there straight out of high school I did two years of undergrad and then pharmacy school was three years but I did I added my MBA and that was the year in between so i did that and then i wrapped up six years in stockton and left with three degrees and i came back down to socal to do residency and after that i just started collecting jobs like pokemon and (laughs) i I finished my residency i stayed there for diem i went to the hospital in my hometown i worked there full-time for a while i wanted to get out so i picked up a job somewhere else And then at the same time, my residency hospital had someone retiring and I was next in line. So I jumped back. So now, like nine years out of school, and I have those three jobs. And I work primarily as a residency program director and clinical manager. But I also still work at the other two hospitals per diem doing like a variety of other shifts. So that's kind of where I'm at now.
0: So basically, a jack of all (laughs) trades. (laughs)
1: I think all pharmacists are jack of all trades. Actually, I was thinking about this the other day because like, think about so many different disease states and medications that we know about. Like, and I remember very specifically being a student and being on my pediatrics rotation and the pediatrician, like the attending, like an older gentleman was asking me about like his blood pressure medications. He was asking me like, oh, you know, I don't know a lot about adult medicine can you help me with this and I was like wow that's crazy but it's so true like we yeah. know more than some other providers do in their discipline so I think we're all jacks jacks yeah. of all trades definitely.
0: <laughs> definitely so that's pretty cool to get so many degrees in such a short amount of time and that's something that I'm sure has definitely helped you in your career where you are now and probably also in like different avenues maybe in like the social media platform and whatnot But before we get into that, I kind of wanted to touch on the pharmacy side of things. Yes. So you mentioned you work in the ICU Mm -hmm. setting. So I was kind of wondering, which ICU setting do you work in? Is it like cardiovascular, neuro, medical? And what would you say are some of like the daily tasks that you have to deal with and some of the longitudinal projects that you also have to deal with?
1: So in the trauma center that I work at, I worked in the ICU So they have three different ICUs. So it's basically medical ICU with like a focus on neurocritical care, surgical ICU, and a cardiac ICU. So a little bit of everything. Like when I first started there out of residency, the hospital I did residency at didn't have such a robust trauma trauma center or ICU. So this was kind of like, I kind of had to ease into it. So I had to learn a lot, especially about like stroke and, hemorrhagic just management and also like cardiac management. So like post open hearts, a lot of like situations and trauma when there's like bleed victims or burn victims, like you don't really learn in school or rotations depending on what experience you have. So the daily activities for the pharmacist there, we attend rounds with the team. So it's usually the physician's, Nurses, case manager, dietitian, social workers, physical therapy basically, the whole team that takes care of those patients. And our role is really to look at anticoagulation management, stress ulcer prophylaxis, antibiotics, parental nutrition, kind of everything med rec, even to make sure that everything that they're getting at home is what they're getting in the hospital and if it makes sense. So it's kind of like a holistic way of looking at the patient. You have every member of the team there. So a lot of times, like, even if you feel like as a pharmacist, you don't have anything to add, or you don't feel confident in that. There's so many times that physicians would literally look at me and be like, we need your input on this. Or like, what do you think about this? Or what should we do about that? (laughs) And I'm also like a kind of person that I can't really hide my face shows all my emotions. So if somebody made like a plan or like a suggestion, I didn't agree with, they'd be like, Natalie, it looks like you're not on board with the mirror <laughs> box or something like, you know, yeah. and you're like, Oh, no, it's just <laughs> so I don't know, it's really like being in a team and being in that setting is really shows. It just gives you like a sense of self worth and knowing that you're doing the right thing for the patient and you're contributing to their care in a bigger way than I guess some people think. The general public doesn't know that for sure.
0: I had a rotation in cardiovascular ICU when I was a resident. And I will say that that is one of the careers in pharmacy, one of the positions in the hospital that you are very, very much involved in every decision-making process for the patient being able to cover like multiple different floors, it's like the ICU, whether it's the doctor's input, the attending, whether it's like the cardiac surgeon, whether it's the PA that might be covering, like whoever it is, there's always questions. And when you're rounding, there's always interventions that can be made. And I will admit that that's one of those, if you love that collaborative practice with different healthcare professionals, like that is it for you. Like brainstorming, coming up with ideas, sometimes going outside of the box, using maybe something off-label that might benefit this right. patient and it yeah. works. And you're like, oh my gosh, now we got to do a research project on it or something. <laughs> like <you> know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's one of those careers that if that's something you're truly passionate about, collaborating with others, it's perfect for it as a pharmacist. That's something i definitely noticed about like the ICU setting. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you never know what you're going to get. So I always like kind of being yeah. on my to ER and ICU. That's why I really enjoy those, those yeah. rules.
0: <laughs> so you mentioned something that's interesting. And I believe this is something a lot of current pharmacy residents will experience, and maybe some residents that just finished might be experiencing, and maybe even some pharmacy students, which is you went from a residency or a site that wasn't as cumbersome in a trauma center as the new location you work at. So you had to make a transition into something that was probably more challenging or more difficult. What made you feel like you were ready to take on that challenge or what Even if you didn't feel like you were ready, like what made you do it? Because I've I've seen people and I hear people just kind of hold themselves back because there's like, I don't know. I worked at a small 300 bed hospital. I don't know if I could deal with this 600 bed hospital. Right.
1: I think it really comes from the tools that you have. It's not necessarily where you ended up doing residency, but the tools that you learned from doing that residency. So basically, if you're going and you're like, I'm going to build a desk today, but you don't have hammer or nail and you're trying to build the desk, it's going to be a lot harder than if you had those tools in your back pocket. So if you didn't have residency at all, or if you didn't have exposure to any kind of hospital setting, it would be a lot harder to get to that level because you don't really have the stepping stones to help you get there. So a lot of it, I felt comfortable enough with the foundation that I had. It was just learning like this patient population and this hospital's policies and protocols. And then from there, like you kind of already know how to implement it, if that makes yeah. sense.
0: No, it does, it does. What yeah. I'm interpreting from what you said is that residency helped, helped to lay down the foundation for the tools that you needed to become well equipped for whatever position you're in. So, right. for example, and my brief experience in ICU, <laughs> it involved a lot of research. So you might have to look up a lot of different articles. You might have to look up some random randomized control trials, maybe some stuff that hasn't been approved here in the States, maybe in other countries, but you have to decipher how does this patient fit into what they did in the study and how valuable was this study, the results of the study? Can this be something that we should implement into our hospital system? So you kind of learn the tools, maybe how to find research or how to find things If you don't know the answer to a question, like you learn the tools, like the quickest way to find it or the best way to maybe cipher through research. And that's a skill in itself. That's something I always tell students and some residents I work with. I'm like, hey, you don't have to know everything, but you do know how to find it. So knowing how to use your references and which references, whether it's like a LexiComp, Global RPH, Google Scholar. like everything, yeah. Uh, PubMed, yeah. Like knowing how to use certain keywords and certain phrases or certain things to find the information and do it in a timely manner to benefit this patient. So it sounded like your residency really helped lay down the tools, the foundation for you in order to implement these tools wherever you go. So that's right. like where you got the confidence from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But there's definitely a lot of looking stuff up too. <laughs> <laughs> but as long as you know how to interpret like those journals or research, like you know how to apply it. That's the most important part.
0: Definitely, Yep. Interpreting the data. So analyzing and being able to interpret the data. And that's something that I would say to you, and it's not a knock on pharmacy school, but that's kind of like one of the purposes of a residency is to help you go through those journal clubs and do those research projects and whatnot, MUEs to get, to help you gain exposure to analyzing and interpreting data, which you may not realize it (laughs) when you're going through it, but then once you're done, you can see the benefit, yeah. (laughs) yeah. Yeah, there's for a there's sure. a reason for everything. And so I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that. So for anybody thinking about taking those steps and maybe doing something that's a bigger hospital rather than a smaller one from what you're used to, kind of, you know, have some confidence in yourself. I know imposter syndrome is a serious thing, and I feel mm-hmm. like I hear more and more younger pharmacists kind of mentioning it, but you know, you've done the work, you put in the effort, so you should have some confidence in yourself and believe in, in your capabilities. That you can handle some of these tougher positions and these tougher roles
1: yeah. So, yeah and sometimes i see like students or residents kind of get discouraged if they don't match at their number one site, or you know this isn't the kind of hospital i wanted but you still have to make the best of that situation and you'll come away with an experience that will eventually still help you in the future it's just what you put into it is what you get out so you've got, just got to make the best of it
0: <laughs> definitely completely agree yeah. So you mentioned you got your MBA was that after your second year?
1: That was yeah right under right after undergrad before okay. pharmacy school. So, so since everything was like accelerated, it was kind of one year of just business school and then I had extra classes while I was in pharmacy school too.
0: What made you decide to pursue your MBA? I think
1: it was like the summer of my undergrad when I was at home I shadowed a independent pharmacy. And the pharmacist there, I had a business partner and I would kind of like watch their daily interactions. And it was so interesting because the business side, the business partner didn't really understand the clinical or the pharmacy needs. And the pharmacist didn't really understand like, well, why can't we just get this? Like I needed? And the business person was trying to like reel in with the budget and the, you know, all this stuff. So I was like, oh, wouldn't that be interesting if that was just like the same person and <laughs> you could be like a PharmD MBA. So I kind of went into the MBA thinking I was either going to own my own pharmacy or work in pharmaceutical industry. So the fact that I did it before pharmacy school, I had different intentions. And then when I got to pharmacy school, started doing therapeutics and like hospital rotations, then I was like, Oh, I actually really like hospital. (laughs) So I was like, how am I going to use my MBA in that situation? But It ended up still being valuable because it set me apart from the other, you know, hundreds of pharmacy students out there with a PharmD. And it helped me kind of get to the position where I am today as a manager. And I think there's a lot of just life skills that you learn from being in business school. So I'm still glad I did it, but it was totally a different path than when I had originally started it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's me too. I would say like going into pharmacy school, I was thinking maybe more compounding or owning, owning my own pharmacy. And then after like two years, I was like, nah, I like the hospital (laughs) more. And then I was thinking hospital or industry. And then I, once I had my AM care rotation, I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do my fourth year. So it's like, it's kind of interesting how your experiences in life can kind of dictate and change the path you're on. And I can definitely see that happening, getting your MBA before you even go into pharmacy. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And change things up. So would you like encourage students to get their MBA or would you recommend maybe like after pharmacy school to pursue it?
1: So that was the other thing I was considering because I heard, especially like in industry, if you start working for however amount of time, sometimes the employer will actually pay for you to go back and get your MBA or master's or whatever you want. But I just like didn't want to go back to school after I graduated. I was like, no way. So if that's something you're considering, but you're not sure, but you're open to going back to school after working, then I would wait. But if it's something that you're like able to do and you're considering like a variety of different paths, if you have the time and the money and the resources to do it, why not? That's kind of like where I was at. I just wanted to get it all over with and just be done with school forever. It really just depends because it can open a lot of doors for you that isn't just pharmacy related. And you see a lot of pharmacists now are doing things that are outside of just medicine, you know, like entrepreneurship and the business route. I have a lot of friends that actually work in the industry and they're not even licensed because you don't need a like a pharmacist license to do the work they're doing. They're doing marketing, they're doing different things. So if you kind of have an interest in that, and I see a lot of students too that major in business and undergrad, that might be another opportunity to just get like your bachelor's in business and go to pharmacy school. So something to explore, I guess.
0: Yeah. And what would you say are some of the tools that you walked away with from your MBA that's now helping you now? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like kind of in your shoes where it's all right maybe hospital maybe industry those are I I believe are the two most common careers that I hear people mention and probably third would be Amcare and I'm always curious to know like how can this degree benefit you know the hospital setting what can this degree do for you even if you don't go into industry that it just helps whether it's in you know, your your work task, or maybe even like personal things like with your with your Instagram account?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it was just big things that you think you might learn in pharmacy school, but you don't always and a lot of it is teamwork, working with people from a lot of different backgrounds, understanding the different modalities of business. Like, did I love accounting? No, but I had to take it. You know, and how like all of them come together to kind of propel a business or an idea that starts out as something and then be like comes to fruition as an actual business and then how to sustain it. Mm-hmm. And I think even if you think of yourself as a business and how to kind of gain that confidence and propel yourself forward in the career that you want in the future that you want, it helps a lot. Cause I think a lot of times, I mean, just presentations and gaining confidence in that and kind of, you know, Just being totally out of my element, it's very different from like OCHEM and (laughs) biology and all those things. So I think it kind of helped me just become a well-rounded clinician basically in the end, because I can kind of understand like all the different hospital departments and not just pharmacy and how our relationships are kind of relying on each other.
0: Okay, so definitely understanding like the team dynamic not only within the pharmacy, but also with like the different let's see, like the different drug companies and whatnot and licensing and stuff like that. So that's a good point. Yeah. So I can definitely see how that could be beneficial and something that I've never heard anybody regret getting that MBA. (laughs) So I believe
1: yeah. (laughs) You know, so it's
0: like I believe it's a beneficial degree, but people always (laughs) ask me like, is there a benefit to them like I don't know like I would assume if you're going industry it would be great if not yeah. I don't know how it helps because I I don't have exactly. so it's like I can't comment on it but it's <laughs> nice to know that it can just help overall in any kind of like way that you'll probably pivot in pharmacy yeah okay perfect so now let's get into you <laughs> <laughs> now that we got pharmacy out the way we can go into more sure. kind of what you're doing with your social media platform so yeah you have an Instagram account called at Pills and Purses. You got to tell me how this started. Did <laughs> you get the idea from? And just you know, like who's your target audience? You know, like what yeah. what is Pills and Purses for the audience members that don't know you?
1: Pills and Purses is really just an extension of me. If you think about my main hobbies, it's like working. So pills. <laughs> And then shopping, so purses. But the name actually, like I thought of it, I forget, this was like years ago, but Nicki Minaj had a song called Pills and Potions. Oh, yes, she did. Potions, or overdosing. Yeah, so I was like, oh, like when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, Pills and Purses, like like me. So I actually started it, I think... In the fall of 2020, it was just like, you know, during the pandemic and things were just, life was just very isolating. I was working really long days and everybody else was kind of enjoying the work from home life. And I just didn't have an escape from like the chaos that was COVID. So I had always used social media to kind of research my purchases. So I would always look at like YouTube or Instagram to see like the purse colors or what fits in it. So I had discovered like this whole like luxury side of social media. And so I kind of started on that side of it. And I started with like the purses and, you know, I was kind of like organizing the stuff I had because there was nothing else to do on my days off. I was stuck in the house. And then I kind of pivoted towards the pharmacy side. I was like very shy in the beginning to even like show myself or anything. I would just do my purses, whatever. And then I pivoted towards the pharmacy side, probably like around, it must have been like October because it was like pharmacist month or something. And I started making reels and just like partially like, like informative, educational, but also funny and relatable. And I started doing that and I gained a lot more like pharmacy audience. And then I was kind of like, Oh, I don't know if they're going to be into the luxury stuff. I don't know if the luxury stuff are going to be into the pharmacy stuff, but it was just like, I've noticed this huge shift. And even though I post mostly pharmacy stuff now, even my luxury followers are so supportive of that and engage with the posts and ask me questions and I think it just shows that no matter what your platform is, or, you know, I don't have like a carefully, carefully curated page. I just kind of post like as who I am. And I think as long as you're just relatable and open, and sometimes I'm very vulnerable on there. I think that's just kind of where I'm at now. I'm just kind of sharing every part of my life. So now it's like pills, purses, wine food dating gym yeah. like all the crazy
0: of just living yeah. in la so it's a lifestyle page now
1: yeah basically <laughs> got it my yeah. lifestyle still mostly pills and purses but stuff too. <laughs>
0: yeah got it that's awesome so how long have you had it
1: i think it would be almost three years what? like the first year i was kind of hiding behind it but probably like in the past year or two i've kind of shown more yeah of myself on there
0: yeah and I, even as a guy I look at some of the purses I'm just like wow they do look elegant <laughs> I'm just like oh wow like okay
1: I feel like, you know people collect like art watches yeah, yeah. fine wine that's purses are my thing
0: <laughs> and and from what I hear purses are actually a good investment so yeah for any fellas yeah. that that are worried about you know their partner Having to get some purses, there are actually some purses are a good investment, kind of like a Rolex watch and whatnot. Yeah. Depending on the quality, it could be a good investment.
1: Yeah. My dad's actually Googled some of the purses I buy. He's like, did you pay this much for this purse? I'm like, no, dad, that's the resale price. He's like, oh, you should sell it then. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) One day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's how my brain thinks too. It's like, all right, well, buy this now, but can we resell it in the future, in a year or two? Will the price go up? Yeah, I'm wired the same way. But I think it's awesome. I love the content that you share. I know one of the things you recently started doing was the meds and music. So I definitely Mm -hmm. want you to talk about that. How did that kind of come about?
1: I love, okay, so I love music just as much Mm -hmm. as I love everything else. But Yeah, like a lot of what I listen to is rap and hip hop and they name drop drugs a lot. And So I started like realizing like, hey, there are a lot of songs that mention medications like and I wonder what the general public thinks like when they sing along. Like, do they even know like what these medications are, what they do, what they're used for? So I was like, well, I'll just start this thing and just call it meds and music. And it's funny because I remember being in high school and my Spanish teacher, we used to do quizzes based on music. So she would play as like a Spanish song and it would be missing some words and we had to fill it out. And then I was like, I think meds and music, like music's that really strong way for people to learn things there's a lot of like I think studies on just how music and how it affects our cognition and all that stuff so I was like oh I'll just do a series meds and music and it'll be fun and I get to talk about another two of my passions which is pills <laughs> and yeah. work and music so I kind of just started doing it and then people started sending me lists and like I had one follower send me this huge playlist that I'm like still going through There are a lot of songs that mention medication. So like some of the, you know, street medications and some of the actual prescription medications. So I'm trying to focus on those first. But yeah, that's like my new fun thing to do is to do meds and music.
0: Yeah. And I the reason why I think it's super cool and super awesome is the fact that I don't know if the general public actually understood the bar or the line that that rapper or artist was trying to, to make because they don't know what that drug does.
1: Yeah, they exactly.
0: Might hear the brain and it rhymes like, oh, that sounds cool. But being able to actually like help break it down for them, like, what is the purpose of this drug? How does this make sense? Like, I think that's super cool. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you started doing it. I'm tuning in yeah. to that. And is there anything else that you're currently doing with your page or anything you're thinking about doing up coming up or anything like that?
1: I think that's kind of my main focus right now, because I have a lot of things lined up to do for that. I just have to like have the time to film it. Yeah. But everything else, I'm just pretty open. Like Fabletics reached out to me to be an ambassador. So I've been sending me scrubs. Thank you. So I've been okay. doing that. It's awesome. Uh, but yeah. It's hard. Sometimes, you know, you go through periods of like, oh, I have so many content ideas and then periods where I just like don't have the energy in me. Yeah. Some kind of in the I don't have energy period right yeah. now. You know, residency just started and I have a new group of residents and just trying to go through like work takes over a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm trying to balance it out. It's a good it's a good escape still. Yeah.
0: No, I, trust me. I know. <laughs> yeah, I <do. laughs> I, we were messaging the other day. I told you like I'm going on make <laughs> So I yeah, like, I need a break. I literally came back from vacation. I was like, nah, I needed longer, so I went back. Yeah. It um, should always
1: be a vacation to look forward to.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. How you
1: got to have it planned. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, like for me, I told myself I might need one every single month. So, uh, that's that's great. Good. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I already got a couple things planned for the next next three months, but that's awesome. I love seeing everybody grow on social media and being able to do things outside of the pharmacy career, because it helps to personalize the profession with people. So now it's just not looked at as a pharmacist is just someone who just counts pills all days. They're just trying to put everybody on medications. They don't care about people. Like it personalizes you. With people and now they could reach out to you about like medication questions or be more interested about their medications and learning about their health to help improve their health, which is valuable. I absolutely love seeing so many different people going on social media accounts, whether it's a pharmacist, doctors, nurses, and kind of making things personable for their profession to connect with people. I just think it's honestly awesome.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, we're not just robots. Like, we have our own passions and hobbies, and we're real people that care, so.
0: And I think that even helps with the upcoming pharmacists, the future pharmacists, and the students, because this generation is so different from previous ones, because previous ones didn't have the social media. So it's like, they just probably assumed everybody just worked, went home, had a family, whatever Mm -hmm. this may be. But it's like, now you can see like, oh, with as a pharmacist, you can also do all these things. Like you're not just boxed into just your career. Like there's so many other things you can do. You can still have an enjoyable life. There's exactly. more outside of work. So it's like, it kind of shows the work-life balance too that people have. And I think that's pretty cool too, because I, we all know sometimes <laughs> uh, it doesn't seem like we have the best work-life balance, <laughs> but- uh, yeah, I
1: mean, I was I was definitely there. I was working three jobs, like a million hours a week. And I was yeah. just like, is pharmacy my identity? It's not. It's my job, right? I think my Instagram also helps me, like, remind me that I'm more than just a pharmacist. So
0: yeah,
1: yeah, I got to balance it out.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. Don't let the degree just identify you. You're more than that. Um. <laughs> so before I let you go, I wanted to ask you a couple questions. So yeah. one of them was... I know a lot of people are interested in the hospital setting, a lot of people, a lot of students listening. They probably want to get involved in a residency. What would you say is the blueprint to get into an ICU position? Do you think they need a PGY-2? Would you recommend, of course, a PGY-1? I know some people actually got a job straight out of pharmacy school. It was more smaller hospitals, right. but you know, there's right. a lot of different alternatives. I just kind of wanted your recommendation of what you think is best for somebody to do.
1: So I think the first step when you're in pharmacy school is if you're considering a hospital position, try to get a hospital job. I know they're fewer and less available than the retail jobs, but Mm -hmm. if you can be a hospital intern, at least you can kind of get one foot in the door and see if you like the inpatient setting. I mean, I love it, but I also understand it's not for everyone. You know, sometimes I forget, like, you know, going to codes is not normal. (laughs) Like, you know, people have to deal with The craziness and life or death situations in a hospital, and everybody might not be fit for that, and that's okay. But I think if you start off as a hospital intern, you can kind of get a sense for if that's what you enjoy. And then beyond pharmacy school, I would definitely recommend a PGY one. And I'm not saying that in the sense of like, oh, we're not going to hire you if you don't have a PGY one, but it just makes you. It helps build that foundation and gives you the confidence to be able to really take care of a gravely acute person in a hospital. Like I would be scared to work in a hospital without a residency, without some kind of exposure and background to kind of help me. Like residency is basically like a safety net. You get one year of like practice and then you're by yourself. PGY2s in general, and people are kind of surprised when I say this. I'm not anti-PGY2. I just think that it's not the only path to a position. So a lot of times people think you have to do PGY2 in critical care or ID if you want to get that specialty position, but you don't. If you're not willing to put in another year of residency and that mindset, you can study on your own and find, you know, different Work opportunities that will allow you to like rotate through the ICU. You don't have to be the main ICU pharmacist, but that's kind of like what I did. And that was one of my shifts that I kind of learned and gained experience in. Or if you want to be like an ID pharmacist, you can kind of, you know, rotate through a place where you could get a little bit of antimicrobial stewardship, or maybe has an HIV clinic you can rotate through. And then you can study for yourself and take the board exam if you want. And that's like a different path to the same route. So that's kind of what I would recommend besides networking. Definitely, you know, don't burn bridges. Meet as many people as you can. Keep your colleagues in your never You'll never know where they end up keep in touch with pharmacy school, give back. I think it's so important once we graduate, like, you know, we get so involved with health fairs and outreach events when we're in school. And then when we graduate, that kind of goes away. But if you keep a tie to your pharmacy school or a local one and kind of, you know, precept the students at the health fair, then you get to give back to everyone that helped create you into the clinician you are today. That's kind of my words of advice.
0: <laughs> and... It's interesting you say that because I don't hear many people say that. So I'm sure that's why you're so many people are surprised when you say kind of like the alternative routes, because I always say that like you don't have to do a PGY2. You could get certified. It might be a longer route to the same goal, but maybe you'll be happier taking that longer route. Like there's, I don't know if it's like the cell phones or what, but I just feel like a lot of people want things more immediate than in the past. And it's like, Hey, if it takes a couple of years instead of one, like what's, what's wrong with that? Like, it's okay. Like that's perfectly fine. And so kind of maybe just working your way into the setting, getting a couple hours here, a couple shifts here, here or there a week, and then also just doing what you need to do to get certified can still make you a great candidate instead of going through a PGY-2 if you just feel like it's not for you. So I love that you mentioned that. And one thing I was thinking when you said that is something that I always, whenever residents ask me for advice, it's always tough because the future of pharmacy is, I feel like it's leaning towards, they just want people with a PGY-2. So it's tough. I feel like there's still that area where it's like, you don't need one, but do you think in the future that'll probably get to a point where it's like, you're going to just have to get a PGY-2 to probably get one of those specialty positions?
1: I think it also, and I should have mentioned this, but I think it also depends on the street state in which you practice. Because, I mean, being in California and especially Southern California, it's very competitive. But it also has two sides to that. Like, okay, if you want to be an ED pharmacist and, you know, if there's only so many ED positions in Southern California, because not every hospital may have an ED pharmacist, you could do PGY-2 and ED. But if you can't find that ED pharmacist position, now you're kind of overqualified for whatever position you want to do. And I feel like for me, I never wanted to like pigeonhole myself into one specialty, but if it's something that like, you know, that that's your passion, I, I think pgy 2s and oncology and peds are crucial. Like, I think those are very specialty positions that you should have that extra knowledge in. But I think for certain like hospital settings where you can kind of get that exposure from other positions or just from working a lot, that might be another route. Cause I also, Want to acknowledge that not everybody has the means to do a PGY two. They're already, you know, in debt, student loans, and they just want to work and start, you know, getting out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: And stuff like that. So there's, yeah.
1: So I mean, I think there are certain positions that, yeah, they'll probably not hire anyone without PGY two, but there are there is some leeway in like the different positions. I think the specialty am cares and some of the specialty hospital positions you probably will need one. But yeah, there's just so many different opportunities. I mean, I feel like even if you start off in hospital and you decide a few years later, you want to do something else, you totally can. I know people that have gone from hospital to industry, from retail to industry, retail to hospital, hospital to retail. It's just, you know, I feel like when you graduate so young, you're like, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Like, <laughs> Do I want to do this for the yeah. rest of my life? <laughs> and you have like just having the experience and the networking, like you never know Who's gonna end up in what position and could help you out one day? So
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah. You said something that I always preach. Do not burn bridges. Because <laughs> you never know yeah. who that person knows. Cause it pharmacy is a small world. You'll be shocked at who knows who. <laughs> so please, <laughs> it's anybody so true, listening, yeah. me, you won't live <laughs> with something, do not burn bridges. Okay. It's very, very important. So another thing I've gotten, and this kind of touches what you're mentioning earlier, kind of giving back. And I, I had the opportunity to go back to the University College of Pharmacy, where I graduated from, and do a couple presentations this past year. And I had a couple students come up to me and kind of talk to me about creating their own social media platform. And it's like, but mine has nothing to do with pharmacy, so should I still do it? I don't want to share the ideas because those yeah, yeah, ideas and whatnot, but. I would say there's a more along the lines of you where it's like, hey, I have a passion for this. that has nothing to do with pharmacy, kind of like how you mentioned the purses. Mm -hmm. But maybe in the future, they might want to combine it or whatnot. That'll be up to them. But what would you say is like a blueprint or a good way to go about creating that social media page for an item that's like a hobby of yours?
1: I think you just kind of... I guess you have to figure out like, what is your intention for it? And it doesn't necessarily have to have a means of, I want this to be a business. I want to make money off of it. When I started mine, I just really wanted to connect with people. You know, you couldn't leave the house during COVID. It was really hard. In that sense, kind of know your reasoning behind doing it and be authentic to yourself. And the ones that get it, get it. And the ones that don't don't. Right. So I think if you ever want to do something in your life, you just have to do whatever makes you happy. And the people that support you, like those are the real ones. That's how, you know, you know, so I feel like there's also no shortcuts if you do want it to be a booming business and you want to monetize from your social media you know, it's just don't go the route of the fake followers and the fake likes. Like, I just yeah. don't think that that's like, what is the purpose of that? I would rather have like 3000 people. And maybe I engage with a hundred of them versus having like 20,000 people and nobody comments on my stuff. Like yeah. I always said, like, no matter what is, is in life, it's quality, not quantity. So I think as long as you're being authentic and just engaging with the audience. I usually try to survey, like, what are their interests? Like, what do they want to know about me? Do they think that my dating stories are hilarious. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like,
0: this I th- is my I think way. I did read one. We don't need to talk about it here. We'll talk about it off air. I think I did read one, but we'll, we'll talk about it off air. I was like, ooh, I yeah, need this I need this tea. But th- this will be <laughs> after this. Yeah
1: yeah yeah sometimes they're feeling the like pharmacy stuff sometimes they're feeling the crazy dating Mm. stories or like the wine of the night like whatever you know my recent Trader Joe's find just like random stuff that I share but yeah I think it's important be authentic and still be private so I share a lot of my life but I don't like you know I try not to share like the really nitty gritty details that people that really know me I forget sometimes you don't realize who's watching like I've been working yeah. with people and they're like yeah my coworkers from wherever watch you like I've had students be like are you pills and purses and I'm like oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> Like yeah. I'm your preceptor though so <laughs> like you know
0: <laughs> I, yeah I have my my first experience was that November last November or December last year same thing I was a student like <laughs> oh my gosh you're the podcast guy I was like oh that's who I am now but I wasn't a preceptor so that was okay but I was like oh that's cool that's how you know
1: yeah so I think I mean I think it's a great resource because like it just makes everyone so available too like if you have a question about pharmacy school or residency like people DM me and I always answer I always just try to be you know responsive and if I can help I can or I guide them in the right direction I've had people ask me about like well like you know, I'm interested in industry and I'll forward them to a couple pages that, you know, I know that they're industry pharmacists. So I just think social media is such an important tool. Like I know there's a dark side to it, but knock on wood, I haven't really experienced that side. Like everyone's been really great. So I think it's yeah, a good either. tool for you. I just can't remember like when I was in high school and not having social media and I tell people this, I used to look up like my do my homework with an actual encyclopedia and like a thesaurus, like it was a book oh, I didn't Google like synonym for. <laughs> oh,
0: God. <I> actually, okay.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Now you can just, oh, Google this, Google that chat GPT, like we were talking about, or like yeah. just find a social media person and be like, can I shadow you? I know you work at this hospital. That's I think it's a good resource.
0: Yeah. No, I completely agree. And it it just brings, like I said, just so so much it personalizes the profession more and allows people access to someone that they may not have been able to before. And that's exactly what happened with that specific student I was thinking about. There was somebody who I interviewed who was currently in a residency program doing the residency that she wanted. So then she was able to build a connection with that person. And I don't remember if she got I know she's with that company. I just don't remember if it's at that specific site or a different site for that company. But she ended up getting the position because they had they have that position at different sites. So she got the position that she wanted and she was just super ecstatic about that. And it was cool. I feel awesome just helping to connect that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Being yeah. the
0: bridge to make that happen because she didn't know anybody that was doing that career. She's like, I don't know. It's possible for me to do it. Like, is this the right thing I should do? And helping connect them to somebody to help pursue their passion. It's the most rewarding feeling in the world. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I absolutely I think
1: agree. it's in the pharmacist DNA to just like give back and be caring about people. Yeah, we just help. Like that's yeah. our
0: <laughs> that's <Yeah>. our MO. <laughs> Basically. <Yeah. laughs> and all right. So yeah, definitely just just do it. Let me ask you this because I think this is why they were hesitant because they didn't know how this would impact them when it comes to maybe applying for a residency or different things like that. Luckily for me, mine was pharmacy related. So almost every interview I had, I think there might've been only one asked me about my pharmacy podcast. Like they were interested about it. Like, Oh, I want to know so much about it. Even now, sometimes in job interviews or different things, like people want to know cause they see it on my CV. But for those that are doing something outside of pharmacy, do you look at it as, oh, maybe it's a distraction, like they won't be able to put in enough effort into this residency program or anything like that? If you're allowed to talk about it, I don't
1: know. a good question. I mean, I yeah. feel like it really depends. right? I think that, I mean, there might be some employers or like whoever, you know, that look up people on their social media, but you could always make it private <laughs> if you're scared about sharing anything, if you yeah. know you're applying and, you know. You kind of want to be hidden from employers, I would definitely recommend going private during that time period. But I think that, it, yeah, it just, I feel like it depends on the content. I think, you know, we all get frustrated in our careers and our life or something, but if you're constantly posting negative things about pharmacy or other healthcare disciplines, that might not be, you know, showcasing you in your best light. But if it's something positive, it's a hobby, just something you like doing and it's not illegal, (laughs) then I mean, you're probably fine. Yeah. And I think like the first question anybody asks you in an interview is tell me about yourself. Right. And you might say like, yeah, you know, I have this Instagram where I do like reviews on Legos and I love Legos and that'd be cool. Like that's your hobby. That's your passion. You know, I think it's healthy to have something outside of pharmacy, right? Like we shouldn't just be pharmacy 24 seven as long as it's. Something that interests you, productive and not illegal. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, and that's something <laughs> I, I I love that you mentioned. That. That's something I always tell people who work with me for like residency interview prep. Like, do that in your opening statement. Tie yeah. something in towards the end. So now they it registers in their head who you are. So they, now you're memorable. Because if not, you're probably going to sound like everybody else. But if you have something unique going on, like don't forget to mention that it's in the like I said, I just became the podcast person. They're like, oh yeah, you're the one with the podcast. Like whoever I met, it became, yeah. oh, I want to know. And it's like, and then it gets kind of tiring because it's like 10 different precepts <laughs> asking you about the podcast. And it's like, you got to keep saying the same thing. But yeah. other than that, it was like cool because I stood out to them a little bit. So it had mm-hmm. it created like a moment with each each of those people that I interviewed with. So that's that's definitely yeah. a great tip to always doing like your opening, like yeah. tell me about yourself, just kind of drop something personal that you're doing to kind of help you stand out.
1: And if it is pharmacy-related and it's something that's promoting our profession, I mean, that's definitely a bonus. Like, you definitely want to highlight that, so.
0: Definitely. All right. So thank you so much for your time. I greatly thank appreciate you. it. I'm still shocked that we're the first podcast <laughs> that on. gone. Um, but I'm sure you're going to have a lot more coming. I, I can definitely think of some podcasters that are going to reach out to you. <laughs> so you'll probably get some emails coming soon. <laughs> but it's been a pleasure to have you on. And I just wanted to ask you one last question before I let you go to kind of wrap up today's episode. What would be one thing you want the audience to walk away with today?
1: I think just echoing the sentiment of, you know, do whatever makes you happy and the people that support you, those are the people that have supported you all along. And Like there's something else that I always, like I'm kind of starting to share with everyone. I think it's just good. If you can do one kind thing for someone someone else every day and not tell anyone about it, like it's so rewarding. Even if it's just something like paying for the coffee for the guy behind you in line or complimenting someone's outfit or just like little things, like when you give back to others, I think it really fills your own cup. And that's kind of what I'm trying to focus on in life now is just like how to make myself happy by sharing happiness. And I think whether it's social media or real life or work or school, like there's definitely opportunity to do that. So just think about how making someone else's day could also make your own.
0: Yeah, I believe it's just part of the law of attraction where... I don't know if you've ever seen these. They show up all the time on Instagram because I watch a lot of, like, dating things, so it shows up in my feed. (laughs) But they always say, like, become the person that you want your partner to be, right? So if you want your partner to be very entrepreneurial, you know, be that type of person because then you'll be walking a certain lifestyle, then you'll probably meet more entrepreneurial people, you know. If you want somebody that loves to travel, well, are you traveling alone or not like you need to travel, yeah. like you're traveling, you might meet people who love to travel. And then maybe you can find a partner that through traveling. So really trying to implement things that you're trying to do that you want to happen in your own life. So that's something that I also practice where I try to do only one because I'm not that nice, <laughs> but I do, <laughs> one, I do one nice thing a day just to make sure to still, I don't know if it's like still feel human or I don't know the word I'm looking for, but just to always remember kind of like where... I've come from and -hmm. understand like hey i'm blessed to be in the position that i am to make this kind of money that i make and to always be willing to bless others because so many people blessed me when i was growing up so kind of give that back to other people so just do one nice thing whether it's opening the door maybe if you see like an older woman struggling with the groceries just like help her take it to the car yeah you know if you see like a large family you can kind of tell like they might be struggling like this could be a big hit for them. Like, you know, just pay for the groceries or something like that. Like, but that's just me, but like, you know, just do something nice. It doesn't have to be money all the time. It could literally be right. like, you could write something on a card and just give it to your coworker and you don't know what they're going through and they're exactly appreciative of it. So always try to do one nice thing or one method of gratitude towards a person a day. And then that will help fill up your cup. Like you were saying, and kind of bring that happiness to you. And I feel like that's just part of the law of attraction.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Words of wisdom. We're not the professional shirt. <laughs> Fill up your cup. That, that should be the first shirt. That should be the first merch right there. Fill up your cup. All right. So that was it. That's all that I wanted to talk to you about today. Um, I'm so thankful to have you on here. And I just wanted to ask you, did you have anything you wanted to ask me before you go? Ooh. Yeah, you can put me on the hot spot now.
1: Ooh, I thought about this more. Okay, this is like a common question we like randomly ask like students and residents. But if you could be any medication,
0: (laughs) which one would you be and what? Oh, that's, you know, what's crazy. (laughs) I was so prepared for this answer during residency that I was during my residency interviews. I was upset nobody asked me. I was (laughs) so upset. Not one site. I think I might have had like six interviews or five. I don't remember. But not one site asked me. then at the residency, when I was applying to jobs, one place asked me, I was like, I've been waiting for this question for two years now. (laughs) So I'm like so thankful that they asked. I would say Bactrum. Because one, I would not want to be alone. I believe in partnership. So having two components (laughs) with the drug. So that's valuable. One, I'm one of those, I am who I am. So it's one of those where, some people have rashes, the backdrop, some people don't. So, or allergies, I should say to it. So it's one of those where I may not be your cup of tea, but for others, I am. And that's perfectly okay. Like you can't knock the drug. It's just yeah. what it is. And the other reason being just because it just has like a broad spectrum of treatment. So I kind of look at that as like being able to help others and benefit others. And like I kind of expressed earlier, like providing gratitude and just provide blessings for other people. So that's something that I'm passionate about. And that's why I love Bactrim for those three reasons. I
1: like that. That's I wasn't expecting that. Answer I, you, I was prepared. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, yeah, I like the allergy part too. Cause yeah, you can't yeah. control how people react to you, right? You can just be no. yourself and yeah. it is what it is. The drug just stays right.
0: itself. So it's like, you know, okay. just you can't react to how people feel about you and whatnot. And that's perfectly okay. Like people can have their opinions. I'm not one of those where it's like it upsets me or anything like that. I'm like, no. that's perfectly fine. As long as we can all have respect for one another and be cordial, that's all that matters. I love that. (laughs) that Very nice. I
1: might steal that if somebody asks
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no copyright infringement here. Feel free. (laughs) And anybody listening, if you want to (laughs) use that for your residency interviews, (laughs) feel free. There you go. (laughs) Feel free. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't (laughs) mind. I don't think the RPDs are listening to this, so you're good. You're good. Well, only one so far. Yeah. Yeah, only one. (laughs) But yeah, any other questions for me?
1: I think that's it. That's it. I'll let you know.
0: Awesome. <laughs> yeah,
1: you got off easy.
0: Oh, very easy. <laughs> I was prepared for that. So yeah, once again, thank you so much. Can't wait to clip this up. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to have you. Hopefully we can have you more in the future. Maybe we can do more residency geared information because I know, I don't yeah. know how much you can share. It doesn't have to be about your residency, but just, you know, how to help students become better applicants, kind of stand out during the application process. When we get closer to that timeframe, I might try to reach out to you to see if you're available, but thank you so much for your time. It's truly an honor to have you. If you haven't yet, go to Instagram right now, search at pills and purses and hit that follow button. And are you also on TikTok?
1: I am not. I'm okay. not on. I was going to say, I don't follow are. you on there.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. So I was like, I don't think you're on there. Okay. You're I'm only i like, on... I
1: only have time for one. <laughs>
0: yeah, tr- uh, trust me, I know. I'm, I'm I going to YouTube
1: too, but I haven't done anything. I've just been uploading some of my meds and music on YouTube, but on that's YouTube? a whole nother beat. So...
0: Is it the same?
1: Yeah. Pills, Pills and purses.
0: All right. Pills and purses on all platforms to make it easy Instagram and YouTube. <laughs> if you haven't yet, go to YouTube. Go to type in Pills and Purses, find her page, subscribe, and also like anything that she shares. Definitely share it. The meds and music is a lot of fun to tune in and check out. And if you have any meds and music, like I just had one right before coming on here, definitely share it with her so she can incorporate it into it. So thank you guys for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Once again, if there's anything I can do for you, I'm very easy to find. Just go to at new underscore caps Rx podcast. On all platforms, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, feel free to message me or just like DM DM me directly on my own personal page, whatever the case may be. But thank you so much for listening. I'm greatly appreciative and it was an honor to have you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Did you learn something valuable from this episode? Then I highly recommend you like, comment, follow, and subscribe to our new YouTube channel at new underscore capsule Rx podcast. And we're also on Instagram and TikTok with the same name at new underscore capsule RX podcast on all platforms.